Poor little moose. Poor little moose. We love moose so oh, much. Oh my god. I would like to write a spinoff series where it's just moose having a good time. Uh, I would love that. Uh, moose Dale. Moose Dale. <laughs> River Moose. <laughs> Indians of Riverdale, welcome to the second episode of XOXO Riverdale. I'm Louis Perlman. I'm Kate Vatter. And episode two is called A Touch of Evil. But before we get into it, uh, we're going to do some recaps as to what's going on in the world of the Riverdale show. So first and foremost, we've got a new Reggie. Let's talk about it. That's right, we have a new Reggie. His name is Charles Melton. He is now constantly popping up in my Instagram stories because it goes to the people you click on a lot, and I clicked on him recently, so he's always up first. Uh, looks a lot like old Reggie. Yes, looks a lot like old Reggie. Really happy that they stuck with a Asian-American actor. Yes. That's super cool because the, that casting is, is quite revolutionary. Right. And what kind of guy do you think he is so far based on his social media? You know, a guy cool, who's like right? around 20 yeah. and just got cast in a big show. That's what he seems like to me. Yeah. So, I mean, we're excited to see how he does. We and haven't seen him hanging around the cast a lot yet. That's interesting. It could just be because they don't need him yet. Yeah, it could be because he is not in Vancouver yet with the rest of the cast. Right. Because the rest of them have arrived yep, to shoot in season two. Yeah, Vanny. we've seen... <laughs> The nickname for Vancouver, if you want to sound really cool, actually, is Van City. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Now you I'm know. I'm going to keep saying Vanny anyway. All right, go for it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we've seen Lily Reinhardt, who plays Betty. She's there. Camila Mendez, Veronica, Madeline Pench, which is Cheryl. Yeah. I don't know that we've seen KJ or Cole there. They both just take... Well, KJ just... Does selfie videos of him playing guitar. Great. And this one friend he has, who's, like, with him everywhere. And Cole just, like, takes landscapes. Mm-hmm. I'm aware of this. I've, so I've... I don't know what his deal is. I don't think Skeet Ulrich is there. Mm-hmm. He's been hanging around with his kids a lot lately, and who I assume is his girlfriend. One of his kids, his daughter's, like, 15, which is insane to me. Yeah, but, you know, Skeet has been around for he's a long time. He's been around, for, yeah, and he was playing younger when he started. Like, exactly. When we saw him, he was playing younger, but it's still... It's just... It's, it's sh- weird. It shouldn't be a huge shock to you, is what I'm saying. I, it shouldn't be, but it's also, like, insane to me that Luke Perry's not 15. Like, it doesn't... I've never seen Luke Perry as a 15-year-old, but I still feel like he's a high schooler. So, this, this might be putting you on the spot a little bit, mm-hmm. but I think this is a good question to ask for our listeners. If I was to follow one social media feed of any of the Riverdale cast members, which Ooh. one is your favorite? Which one do you really love? Cole's Twitter is yes. funnier than most comedians' Twitters. Yes. That's my number one is Cole's Twitter. Uh, when it comes to Instagram, I lean 
KJ, but that's because he's the hottest, I think. Sure, so and he's eye candy for you. I get yeah, it. Yeah, I'm down with that. That's pretty good. Yeah, totally. Yeah. But Cole's Twitter's the way to go if you're only going to follow one. Yeah, I, I was at a Riverdale event for the Vulture Festival a few weeks ago where the whole cast was there except for Cole. Mm-hmm. And something I can say is they really do seem to all be very charming, lovely, down-to-earth young actor types. Because uh, there was a meet and greet after where they all seemed pretty chill. And it did make me want to follow them on social media just to make sure that they were all doing okay. Yeah, this is like when you, like when Hillary Duff is doing well, you're just like, I'm glad Lizzie McGuire is doing well for herself. <laughs> totally. It's just sometimes nice to know that these people. grew up okay. That these people, yeah, that these people that are in our lives, that they're okay. Sometimes yeah. that really is nice. Now, listen, moving on from social media, moving on from important Riverdale casting news. Did we have other? Oh, we have other important news, though. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. We have that both Riverdale and Cole are up for Teen Choice Awards. That's right. Which you, the fans vote for. I don't know where or why or how or when or who qualifies as a voter, but I know that if you go to their Instagram stories and swipe up, it sends you to the link. Mm-hmm. I think you're allowed to vote about 10 times a day, from what I understand. Right. I don't think there's an age limit. No. You could probably just make more emails if you really wanted to and we have the hearts of teenagers it's true so we, look at us we should vote all the time yeah exactly so yeah so that's going on which and is super cool kj's a 20 year old now yeah kj is 20 kj's which, all grown up which makes our crushes on him feel more appropriate slightly more legitimate yeah a little more appropriate <laughs> so over on the comic book side uh just quickly this is something that's really fun in the flagship Archie title, Archie Comics, right now, Mark Wade is writing a story called Over the Edge, which is highly dramatic and is about Archie and Reggie engaged in a car race in which there is an accident which almost claims the lives of one of Riverdale's most famous citizens. I won't say who in case you want to read it, but their life hangs in the balance. So that's fairly dramatic, and I would say it's fairly influenced by the show. Normally, the comic is more comedic, more of a comedic bend, so it's interesting that they're bringing those sorts of elements into the main comic. Right. I was going to say it sounds like it was influenced by the Fast and the Furious franchise, but I, I think I'm pacing that on myself because I could do a whole podcast about those babies, too. Yeah, I totally get that, and definitely those films are very popular, and adopting those sorts of cultural ideas into the Archie comics is something those comics have always been really good at is figuring out what's hot and using them with the characters. Oh, like how Sesame Street does like cool adult show parodies? Yeah, I'd say it is fairly similar. And Archie's gotten better at it lately. Uh, This is something that we should get into a little bit because it's fun. Archie has crossed over in the last few years with Predator. Great. With Sharknado. Great. And with Glee. Right. Oh, and George Takei was a special guest in an epi- in an issue of the Kevin Keller comic. That sounds correct. Yeah, and completely delightful. That right? sounds like if I wasn't told that, I could have guessed that. Yeah, you would have been like, so I wonder who appeared in that Kevin Keller comic. Yeah, I remember there being a Glee crossover too, and then did not look into it beyond. Oh, well, that was when Roberto Aguirre Sacasa yeah. was writing for Glee. That makes sense, and also writing for Archie, so he orchestrated the whole thing. Yeah. They're aesthetically similar. Very much so. Absolutely. They're very aesthetically similar. So it makes sense. Yeah. It makes sense that they would do that. But, you know, in in years past, and this is sort of 
what makes Archie comics so endearing, you know, growing up reading them is that when they didn't have as much of a handle on what was going on pop culturally, it would literally be like 1995 and you'd be reading an Archie comic and the storyline would be like, hey, pop, I need to raise money so I can buy this newfangled thing called a CD player. Uh. Like, that's literally what the comics were like. And it was so funny, but also something really endearing about them, is it always felt like they were about five, six years behind the trends. Oh, uh, it's like know? when a grandma finds out about Damn Daniel. Totally. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Or, like or when me. I find out about Damn, Damn Daniel. <laughs> I was going to say, I started seeing Damn Daniel like a month ago and can't stop. Yeah, totally. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, one day I'm going to buy a fidget spinner, but today's not that day. Yeah, I've tried out fidget spinners. They're not for me! I'm I've too never old. tried one! <laughs> I'm too old for them. I'm oh, too I think old. I'd be really into it. I'm just afraid. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into it. Let's get into episode two. So first and foremost, how did you feel about this episode overall? This episode certainly had the goofs that I love. Yeah, 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 Big yeah. time. We're going to hit on some big goofs for me. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely not only some weird, uh, let's shoot around this goofs, but there's also some, like plot goofs in this episode that are kind of like, for sure, for but sure, why would this sure. be happening? And <laughs> yeah. just some, like, insane visuals, too. Yes, that's true. Because, um, yeah. like, the second thing I wrote was that Jason looks insane in a Letterman jacket. Yes. It is too big for his body. Yes. And, like, I had a Letterman jacket, and it did not look that insane on me, and I'm not big. It feels like they made one Letterman jacket that needed to fit both the actor that plays Jason and KJ Apa. And then they just put him in that jacket for that one scene. Yeah. It's really strange. It really draws attention to how big KJ's head is and how small Jason's head is. Absolutely. It's like a turtle who's going to pull his head into his shell. And, and this isn't a major spoiler. So I, I will say it in future episodes, the jacket plays a really big part. So yes. it's very interesting to me that they didn't fit that actor better for said jacket. Yeah, that's a that's a big goof for sure that I think is fun to get out of the way, first and foremost. I think this episode was really more high school oriented tone wise than the first one. It was. It really shows the life of the kids of in what the I high assume school. teenagers live like now. Because then another thing I wrote was, "Oh my god, teens have smartphones." Yes, which I'm sure was a big shock to you. Oh, uh, like. It, it shouldn't be a surprise, but it's still just like, don't they, like, make flip phones for, like, kids who are grounded or something? Like, I don't... Well... Like, does the school... Like, how... Do they all, like... Does the school have Wi-Fi they can log on to? I don't... Are yeah. they using their data plans? Well, actually, this is a, a good discussion to have in that this plays into the class issues that this show is so much about. Yes. But it, it doesn't really address it properly. Because everybody in the school seems to be have readily easy access to social media, despite the fact that, like, perhaps Jughead, who comes from a fairly lower class family, his family probably wouldn't be able to afford a good data plan for him to have a smartphone, you know? Right. Probably not a great data plan, but smartphones are getting more and more accessible, and... This is true, and Riverdale of... reflects that. Yeah, and it's almost, it's harder to get a flip phone than it is to get a smartphone right now. This is true, although 
total tangent, but Nokia is re-releasing. Oh, I know. It's little. It's little brick phone. I know. The, we're gonna play Snake for the next eight hundred years. It's like the cockroach that phone. Yeah, it's like the cockroach, and that phone. It's only fifty bucks. So if you need a good That's iPhone m- detox, more expensive than I was expecting, but also. I wonder how fast I could go on T9 these days. Yeah, exactly. How fast could we all go on T9? I don't need the detox. I, uh... <laughs> well, how else could you follow all these wonderful actors on their social media feeds? You guys, fans at home, you guys need me. So, this episode opens with Jason's autopsy, which right. is quite, I wrote, quite gruesome, actually. I wrote, his corpse looks bored. Yes, <laughs> his yes. His corpse looked... So over it. Yeah, and there's a scene between Alice Cooper and <laughs> this character named Dr. Curdle. Who I wrote in this, big this... letters, this coroner! With exclamation points and underlined and highlighted. Because he was like Lurch. He reminded me of Lurch from the Adams totally. Family. Totally. It's like he's from another show. He's f- for sure from the X-Files. Yeah. And like for sure. Sure, was it an episode of the X Files? And and that's something that I think is actually really great about Riverdale is the way it can flip genres on you so quickly. And I think that's one of the things that makes the show so unique. But of course, as the comics expert on this podcast, then I looked up if Doctor Curdle is an Archie character because that would be amazing if mm-hmm. he was. And unfortunately, he is not. He's not a character from the Archie comics. yet. I know. I'd love to see him make a comic book appearance. So there's Dr. Curdle with uh, Alice, and then, if we're ready to move on... Oh, we are. Archie is having a sleep where he's racked with guilt about not coming clean about the gunshot that he heard with Miss Grundy by the river. So what does he do? Oh, baby. He gets out of bed. He, he does, texts... does what everyone does. He texts Betty. Yeah, you up. You up, girl. And she, she sits is. up, says no, looks out the window, shuts the curtain angrily, turns off the light, and goes back to bed. Yeah, she's not having any of it. She is not. So Archie, thinking, it's too hot, let me go run. Yes. Yeah, so then he basically puts on the More smallest clothes. shorts that I've ever seen in my life. Um... <laughs> Definitely maybe, not the shortest I've ever seen. May, but. Maybe not the shortest ever, but they're very revealing. For and, what a teenage boy who's not rowing would go running in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then there he goes for a little run, a little sweat run. Yeah. And we have one of our first uh, Riverdale gifable moments, which is shirtless Archie running. Running down the street. Which to cer- m- certainly made its way through Tumblr. Oh, for sure. To Ms. Grundy, who I wrote, dresses like a pilgrim. Mm-hmm. And leaves her Brita filter on the counter. What's that about? I know. She likes room temp water. It's all good. Some people love room temp. All right, all right. So, yeah, he runs over to Miss Grundy's. In her house that's too big for a single woman working as a music teacher. And and this whole scene is really soapy. This scene oh, is, sure. is really feels like it's written as a soap opera. And it's... Something I think is interesting specifically about these Greg Berlanti produced shows is that the first season always, to me, this includes Arrow and The Flash as well, all feel more soap opera based than the later seasons do where the action really kicks in. Because I've never gotten past the first two episodes of any of those shows. Yeah, there you go. Because I watch them and they go, oh, I get it, it's CW. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like that may have ended up happening for a lot of viewers with this 
episode. Episode, yeah. Uh, because of this. And then something that's an overlying question for the whole episode that I think would might be fun to talk about right now regarding Miss Grundy is, do you think that there is part of her that is in love with Archie? Or do you think it's pure manipulation? Because I really flip-flop back and forth with reading her intent, which I think you're supposed to do as an audience member in this scene and in all of Miss Grundy's scenes in this episode. I think it's not manipulation in that she's not getting anything out of it. But well, she's getting... She's getting tail. Yeah. But I don't know that she's in love with him either. I think that it's something where she went in at a second because KJ Appa doesn't look like a normal teen. Mm-hmm. I s- assume she's the aggressor because he seems pretty clueless. Well, she really appears to be the aggressor in that seduction scene in episode one. Right. And then I think that maybe she immediately got in over her head and now she's stuck in it. Mm-hmm. She's stuck having to deal with the emotional needs of someone who is not on the same level as her emotionally yeah Yeah. because he's a teenager he's 15 more than anything yeah yeah i think you're right about that yeah absolutely um and i do think that the writing on on her character for this episode is is really appropriately complex and i like that about it i like that it's not so cut and dry that she's just like a totally predatory character right yeah, I think but it's But she's certainly cool. also looking out for herself more than yeah, and she should be. Yeah, because she's Straight a teacher. blackmailing. Yeah, she's a teacher and all that. I get it. Yeah, she's definitely manipulating him. Because she says that if it comes to light, she'll lose his job and he'll be expelled. That's right. Which, I mean, sometimes school dudes do wacky stuff. But in theory, he should not get in any trouble for this. That is correct. And in, yeah, in some ways, she is holding that over his head. Right. Because no, you know, there's no reason why he would be expelled for something that a teacher's done. That's not normally how those cases work. Right. Yeah. So it's, so it's interesting. Uh, and then we cut over to the scene with Betty and her mother. There's a scene in between oh, that. my apologies. Go for it. Archie talks to Fred because Fred heard that he snuck mm. out of the house because, okay, first first and foremost, number one thing about the scene, the Andrews have a carpeted kitchen. Sure, of course they do. And that's really helpful for Vegas the dog, too, I'm sure. Not only is the kitchen carpeted, but they've got this dog. That must be the grossest carpet in the history I of the world. don't understand why at any point in history, a kitchen was built and a carpet was installed around it. Yeah. It is insane to me. Fred is a carpenter. He could tear that up no problem. And he looked at it with his wife and his child and his dog and said, I'm going to leave this carpet here. Yeah, Fred went, I love it. I love this carpeted kitchen. I love cooking over top of carpet. (laughs) This is great. But the other thing in that scene that really stuck out to me is that he knows what it sounds like when Archie sneaks out because he's been listening to him sneak out to go hang out with Jughead in the treehouse since he was eight. That's right. Which leaves a couple things. One, it means Archie can't sneak out anymore, Mm -hmm. in theory. And also, it means that he was letting an eight-year-old child sneak out in the middle of the night with no consequence. That's something that I think contributes to the entire world of the show that's created, is I do think... That as viewers, we're supposed to think 
that the world of the show was the squeaky clean world of Archie Comics, mm-hmm. literally right up until about four months before the show starts, timeline-wise. Right. And then everything goes askew, and it's like they're living in a dark universe. Like, they're living yeah. in, a, on a, in a parallel reality to the regular Archie comics where where there's a fork in the road and there's a, there and it goes off in its own direction. And that before that, Archie and, and Jughead were best friends. Archie was trying to figure out who to take to the prom. He was pining after Betty. Archie would sneak out when he was eight and go have adventures with his eight-year-old friends, and it was perfectly safe for him to do right. so. I see know? it less as uh, it was unsafe for an eight-year-old to be out at night, and more like, you should keep track of your kids, and they should be getting a good amount of sleep, because they're eight and they're growing boys. But That's fair, <laughs> you know. you know. Uh, There's another, we'll I, get at another point that I saw in here about growing boys. And Ooh, taking care of them. Growing boys. And it sounds yeah. hotter than it's gonna be. Great, that's exciting. Oh, yeah, you know. Hotty, and, and I like to imagine that these characters did, you know, there's like an alien character in little Archie comics and stuff. I like to imagine that that all just happened in the Riverdale yeah, it just, world. Yeah. And then this is what happened to them is like the darkest as like timeline. later teens. Yeah, exactly. As Jason gets murdered. And yeah. Like everything goes askew. The aliens are like, this is too heavy for me. Yeah, and they're like, well, we're <laughs> done with this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway. So the next scene is mm-hmm. Betty and Alice. Yeah. And this is really where Betty starts standing up for herself. Yeah. And I really, really like this scene. And I wrote in my notes, this is the most compelling portrayal of Betty we've ever seen. Giving her the pressure of her parents bearing down on her gives her a depth that she does not have in the comic books. And I think this is a really smart fix that makes her very three-dimensional. Despite the fact that I like Betty in the comic books, I love Betty in Riverdale. We've been seeing it for a while and we'll continue seeing it as the kind of pettiness in the adults there like her parents are so obsessed with journalism that it's like okay get like a new hobby like yeah absolutely relax well i think that the parents are all set up to be somewhat ineffectual when it comes to being able to solve the problems of the town Mm -hmm. i think across the board that's a theme is they're all too mired in their own crap Basically, and it's up to the teens to solve the problems, the younger generation to solve the problems of the town, which is sort of what makes all of the kids in the show a de facto Scooby gang. Right. When you think about it, and I think that that certainly is an influence on the structure and nature of the show. Yeah, and I was talking to someone I work with about this, how they put such, the Coopers put such importance on this hometown newspaper that, like, they're the writers for. I know. Which sounds insane, but I don't know if you follow the Pulitzer Prize. A local newspaper in I somewhere in the out west. I want to say Wyoming. It has like five people on staff. Four of them have the same last name. One a Pulitzer. That's very interesting. For expo- yeah, for exposing like uh, something environmental, like some sort of mm-hmm. corporate takeover of the farming. So it's I mean. So it can be a business. I certainly don't think the Riverdale Chronicle is going to reveal anything, but suddenly I was just like, yeah, I guess they're not barking up the wrong tree necessarily. And also this they is... They are, but... This, this is the universe where everything that happens in Riverdale is as important as everything that happens in New York City. Right. Which has already been established. This is the universe where Betty can go off and intern with Toni Morrison. for yes. Or, like, encounter Toni Morrison in the summer during her internship. Yeah. Like, it's NBD. 
and then go back to her parents who were writing the small town newspaper. Yep. Sounds like the typical small town. Absolutely. And we see Archie and Betty walking to school the next day, and mm-hmm. I can't believe how annoying it must be to carry that guitar around. I quit trombone in high school because I hated carrying it around. I cannot imagine yeah, carrying but, a guitar I mean, everywhere. Archie's got muscles on muscles on muscles. So it must He's got be really muscles on muscles, and it's his dream. It's his dream, yeah. I picked up trombone because I thought it would be cool. Yeah. Don't know why I thought it would be cool. And because I was it is! Incorrect. I was, I was told I was a natural. Mm-hmm, For mm-hmm. someone who had never played a brass instrument, I like immediately started killing it. And then I was like, this sucks, and stopped. <laughs> And then we get to the school. Mm-hmm. Jughead explains his own character. <laughs> I wrote that and I highlighted it, and I don't remember what he said, but I think he kind of does it a lot where he like explains who he is, and it's like, yeah, we get it, dude. Like, well, that's the scene where they're in the lounge. First and foremost, were there? So I'm sure you've seen the Goonies. They mm. said, oh, look, it's like the rich kid from the Goonies. Yes. Who was the rich kid in the Goonies? I certainly do not remember. I don't think there were rich kids in the Goonies. That's really, uh, that's really odd that they, that they would screw up that reference. When there's like so many 80s movies with like rich kids. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I don't understand why they went with the Goonies when there aren't. Is one of the Goonies a rich kid? Is that maybe? His, but like, it was like a it was talent? like a put down. It was, like it would yeah. have worked better to be like you're like most of the Heather's from the Heather's. Yes, very much so. Yeah, as opposed to the rich kid from the Goonies, where I'm like going through all of them. I'm like, I don't know, maybe one of them like had money, but it wasn't yeah, a plot it wasn't point. A big, yeah, totally. Like the villain wasn't the rich kid. The villains were the Fratellis. Like I don't. So weird. I'm so caught up in this. And, and most reference. of the references in the show were so on point. Very too. on point that this one was just. So it's a little weird, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kevin wishes that Archie was gay, and don't we all? <laughs> Amen! Uh, <laughs> and then Kevin's talking about how like it was hard to explain to his dad yeah. what he was doing with Reggie down by the river. Or but with Moose down by the with, river. With Moose yeah. down by the river. and But also, like, like that's not that hard to explain. Like, Well, no, but... I assume, like, Kevin comes to us as an already out character... Yeah, but wouldn't you... Okay, let's say, let's let's make this het- more heteronormative. Okay. Wouldn't you want privacy in your dating life as a teenager if your father was the police chief? Oh, for sure, but also yeah. if he's the police chief, he should be able to deduce that. Oh, my son is gay. He's with another boy down by the river in the dark of the night. I wonder what's going... Like, yes, I feel like it's very... very... And they seem to have a fairly open relationship when it comes yes. to that. So I'm not sure what... I mean, again, I've never been a gay boy in high school hanging out with boys down by the river, but part of me thinks probably wasn't that hard to explain. And and also, too, this is, I think, an exam- another example of the show trying to find its voice. I think they're still figuring out how Kevin is relating to all the other characters. Yeah. And perhaps they liked the way that that played, despite the fact that later on in the season, we do learn that Kevin has a fairly straightforward relationship with his father. Yeah, because... When it comes to the gay stuff. I think my, if I were in his shoes, my explanation would have been, Dad! Yeah, yeah, totally. And that would have just like, And that would have been, that would have been enough. That would have been fine, yeah. Yeah, and Dad would have been like, okay. If my parents asked in the first place. Yeah, exactly. And I think the only reason why Sheriff Keller had to ask is because they found that body. Right. Yeah. Jason's body. And then also in that scene too, Kevin refers to, I think Cheryl as Madam Satan. Yeah. That yes, that's he I refers think so. to Cheryl as Madam Satan. Now this is fun. This is good writing, and I want to talk about this just for a moment. 
Madam Satan is an Archie Comics character. Oh. Oh, did you not know I this? I did not know this. Yeah. So Madam Satan is a character from Sabrina Comics. That makes sense. And currently, Roberto Aguirre Sacasa is writing this book called The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, mm-hmm. which is a storyline of Sabrina that takes place in the 60s and is very much influenced by Lovecraft and also old films like The Coven and Rosemary's Baby. Mm -hmm. And Madam Satan is currently the main villain in the storyline. So for him to reference Madam Satan is super fun and made a lot of fans, including me, hopeful for an appearance by Madam Satan by the end of the season. Right. Which, spoiler alert, did not happen. Right. made me believe that maybe even Miss Grundy was going to be revealed to be Madam Satan, but that did not end up being the case. Right. Well, there was rumor that we were getting Sabrina by the end of the season, and then the closest we got was not a spo- not going to spoil it, but not what we wanted. No, it's not what we wanted, and that that's okay. I think that they were trying to figure it out as they were going along. Or as well. less. Not what we expected, because I have a lot of feelings about getting Sabrina in, but... uh... Yeah, which is maybe something we should talk about closer to the end of the season. Awesome. So yeah, so Madam Satan, but check out those comics. They're great comics. Yeah. The next scene after this is when the flower show for Miss Betty in the office, Mm -hmm. and I wrote... Love this sassy receptionist. Mm-hmm. Check that receptionist, baby. I know. Oh, are these for Betty? Yeah, that's why I called her here. That's also something about the show in general that I think is great is I feel like every character has sort of a rich... You can see there's a rich backstory behind them. Yeah. Which means that any of them could really be fleshed out. I think the show is very well written in that way. It's also, like, very real. Like, a receptionist with one line can... In most shows, is just, like, such a throwaway. But, like, this lady, like gave it. Mm-hmm. I agree. It's Which I awesome. love, because I imagine that the peak of my stardom would be one line in a show, and I would give it my all. Yeah, and that's a Vancouver actor that ended up getting this really great line in Riverdale, which yeah. could do really well for her down the road, which Yeah, is I mean, she's an older woman, but now she can be the new sassy older woman. Exactly. Um, another thing I noticed in the scene is that Veronica would swear on her mother's pearls as though she's not wearing pearls herself. I know. Like, it's she's not willing to swear on her own oh. pearls, but like a step down on her mother's. It's also so Veronica as well to say I swear on my mother's pearls like it's a old saying that we all know. I know. It's so funny. It's, it's, so it's good. bizarre. It's good writing, though. It's very funny. For suburban and... Uh, Rural ri- listeners, that is not a hot New York catchphrase. No, she it did is not, not bring that from the new city. No, she did not bring that from the big city. She brought that from Lodge Land, basically. Yeah, from her own little brain. Yeah, the sort of fake rich world that the character lives in. Yeah. So now I think I'm going to go through some quick hit points here just because it doesn't feel like there's a lot. We have the loudspeaker saying over loudspeaker that there's still going to be a pep rally. Well, I wanted to address this. I wanted to just... Okay, you do your part first. Well, okay, so that dumb. whole scene, I think, is completely bananas. Yeah. Because we've got Sheriff Keller, uh-huh. um, Principal Weatherby, yep. and Cheryl. Yep. Okay, so why would Cheryl be there? I why think... would they let Cheryl be there to say, you know, anything about the investigation about right. her brother's murder? That seems so against protocol in a way that... I can't suspend my disbelief for that. It makes sense for me to hear, oh, the head cheerleader is going to announce that the pep rally's still on. 
perfect sense. But I don't know why she was there for the rest of it. And it, what I noticed was that she says into the microphone, let the listeners know. And it's yeah. like, yeah, you're all the listener. You're on a loudspeaker. You don't have to, like, address the listeners yeah. at home. I, I thought that whole scene was really strange. And, and it sort of was shoehorning a lot of exposition in for no reason. It wasn't my favorite scene. Yeah, just bonkers. What's your next big point? My next big point is how annoying it must be to have a locker next to Jason's. Yes. The memorial is overflowing and someone with a locker next to her still has to get their books. I know. And has to, like, push over, like, the flowers and teddy bear to get to this locker. And they probably look like a monster every time they do it, but it's just luck of the draw. Like, we had the same locker for all four years in high school. If the person next to me, who I knew both of them, but they're both still alive. But if one of them died and there was a memorial, like, I I mean, I barely use my locker. Yeah, but, but you'd probably want to move lockers, I'm Yeah, guessing. what a yeah. pain. What a hassle. Yeah, I think that'd be terrible. I, like, never used my locker because it's already in a bad space, so I use my track locker in the team locker room. But, sure. like, man. It's super weird. What a hassle. What I a agree. hassle. It's a distraction. It is. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> hashtag Riverdale Strong. Yes, hashtag Riverdale Strong. I don't know if this was the first time, correct me if I'm wrong, we find that Archie ditched Jughead over 4th of July weekend? This is the first time. Okay, that's pretty important. I did not highlight that, but it's I'm glad I major. noticed it. Yes, absolutely. And that's why we learn where, why Juggy is so mad at Arch. Yeah. You know, yeah, which is really important. Uh, also, during that whole progression of events, and I do want to unpack this a little bit with you, mm-hmm. that is when Kevin shoots down Moose. Oh, wait, I'm oh, half a we... step before you. Half a step okay, before great. you we is that to... I want to know what type of science class they're in because they have beakers and microscopes and Bunsen burners and anatomy charts. They're in, this is what's so funny they're about. They're in the class called science. Th- that's what's so funny about this show in general to me as an Archie fan is that these are the sorts of weird sort of cartoony details that feel really ripped from the comics. That it's like there's something about the aesthetic that they get so right that might have been inadvertent. That's like, yeah. you word science. It's like that doesn't exist, you know? Right, like, not in a high school. Like when I was elementary yeah. school and part of middle school, it was science. Yeah. The only reason why I wasn't all of middle school is because I was taking high school science in middle school. Like, yeah. It wasn't, yeah. you, it gets specified. You don't just take science yeah but apparently in riverdale, in riverdale you take science you yeah. take just science you yeah. know what maybe it's like that in parts of the u.s that don't have regents exams and canada with your canadian exams i can say in canada we certainly have separate science subjects yeah new york state has not separate a surprise science. yeah not a surprise <laughs> but like i don't i mean we're pretty towards the top of u.s education standards so i don't know what else is going on in the world i know but also it feels fairly simple that the biology chemistry physics and earth science like it's like it's very straightforward yeah absolutely like i dealt with the weird math a b of new york state mm-hmm. that they switched back to normal math terms but <laughs> i knew it was weird at the time yeah yeah you knew it was strange i knew it was bizarre but now we can hit this moose topic okay so what are your feelings about this i have some uh, strong feelings about this he says moose is his type and i'm like okay please that with your crush on archie but otherwise does not play out but then he says Moose should just stay in the closet. Yes. And I get, so it's not his, I'm sure that he catches, because he is out, he catches a lot of people who are questioning and he becomes like the litmus test for people. And yes. I'm sure that's tiring. But also like, don't tell him to stay in the closet. Like you don't own gay. That's correct. And and that's something that's somewhat problematic with Kevin as a character is that in Riverdale, in the world of Riverdale, he does own gay. 
And it's, this happened in my high school where there were two gay guys in the same year and one of them was told to stay in the closet because they could only have one gay guy. Yeah, and that that's so terrible, right? It's so shitty. Yeah, you know, I came out in high school and there was another member of my class that ended up being an out gay guy who we're still friends and everything. Yeah. And at the time, he was not ready to come out. And we've talked about this before. And I'm wondering if maybe he would have felt threatened by me already being gay or vice versa, you know, depending on the circumstances. Yeah. I mean, the, everyone would assume you would date. First and foremost, if there's only two gay guys, they have to date each other. That's how everyone sees it. Yes, totally. But also, yeah, I mean, the circumstance I'm speaking of, it was like in a very small drama club. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so they had like all the same friends, but... I mean, it's not like Moose and Kevin are, like, exactly the same circles and, like, Bobsy twins, like... I agree with this. It doesn't sit well with me that Kevin did this. And, like, also, I Also, I just really want to see Moose, like... Be Moose! I do. I want to see him be his big old, you know, probably queer, bisexual dude that yeah. he is, you know? Or, you know what? He might not be anything. He might have he... questioned it and then found out he was wrong and he's straight. But, like, don't... Yeah, but, I mean, so... wouldn't you want to help Moose figure that out. I know. I want to help Moose figure that out. (laughs) I know. I want Moose to know. I can do nothing for Moose in that vein, but I would like him to himself. Exactly. For for me, it's like, for selfish reasons, I'd like to figure out. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Yeah. Like, even I would love to help him know that he also still likes women, too. But uh... Sure. (laughs) But that's Midge's job, apparently. Yeah. Who we never see. That's true. We don't see Midge, yeah, yet in this, yeah. In this season. Yeah. 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 Hopefully next season. Yeah. Midge is a cool character in the comics. I'd love to bring I her in. I don't know any Midge. Huh? No. You don't know anything about Midge? No. Well, just, uh, I mean, certainly we can certainly talk about this a little bit. She's a real go-getter. She really keeps Moose in line, <laughs> which Ooh. is important. Um, Reggie loves her. And Reggie always wants to ask her out on dates, and he often is hitting on her, and then Moose beats Reggie up. And that's the deal with Midge. Okay. And she's a raven-haired, she's a raven-haired fox. Oh, yes. Because there's no such thing as a brunette. They're raven-haired. Yeah, she is. She's raven-haired. She has, like, black hair. Okay. uh, And it's, like, very short. Uh, she has, like, a cool, short, like, kind of punky cut. Cool. Yeah, she's very cool. Sounds way cooler than me. <laughs> me too. The next scene is the coroner. Yes, that's the... Oh, the, my this, God. The scene, the big scene with Dr. Curdle, who we already oh, talked about. please look this guy up. Yeah, and um, Alice bribes, bribes him. him. Yes. <laughs> the next scene is where Archie plays them a song. The first thing I noticed is oh. how... A small thing, how loose that cafeteria is with their tray rules, because they're totally. taking them clear across, across campus. Totally. They're, yeah, that, they Riverdale. They constantly lose trays. Riverdale High must be what really, really a lovely place to go to school, because it seems like a lot of the laws, they, it feels more like a college campus in a lot of ways than a high but school campus. Well, you're in a college campus, you can take the trays that far from the cafeteria. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah, that's, it's really. I've literally never been anywhere in my life where you could take the trays that far. I know, it's, it's like idyllic, you know? It's crazy. So yeah, so there they all are, and then Arch uh, plays, well, they're listening to a recording of him. Right. And they they listen to a little bit of it. And uh, to my understanding, and I'm going to try to do more research into this, but this is worth discussing slightly here. I think the writers of the show are writing the music. 
Yeah. And I feel like we're it's a lost opportunity. And I talked about this a little bit briefly last week as well. So we won't get too into it. But this is a lost opportunity to have really cool songwriters to be writing songs for this character in the same vein that the really sharp, interesting, hit songwriters were writing songs for the Archies back in the 60s, which is why the Archies were so successful, is Jeff Barry, who wrote Sugar Sugar with his younger partner Andy Kim, Jeff Barry wrote uh, Baby I Love You with his wife. You know, he was like a notable songwriter. Yeah. And, and as I said before, but I want to harp on this just slightly, it'd be so awesome to have people like, you know, at the top of my list to be writing for Archie would be people like Sia. I was going to say Sia. Yeah. Sia was my go-to. I think Sia would be such a smart choice for oh, the entire tone yeah. of the show. I think Sia would be really cool. I, I think that even... Um, People like... Florence Welch. Yeah, that'd be so cool. Uh, just because they're on my mind because they have a new album out. But, like, I could see Archie singing songs that are reminiscent of, like, Fleet Foxes. I'd love to hear a yeah. little band like them write. Like, you know, I'm not talking about, like, old fogey stuff, you know. I'm talking about, like, young, interesting songwriters, yeah, you know, like, for Archie. As a scriptwriter, mm -hmm. I dread... Anytime I accidentally build myself into a corner where I have to write lyrics. Sure, that's fair. Yeah. And so it just feels like uh, either these writers are very confident or they're and, just and, not willing to. And ill placed. I'm sorry, these songs are not great. Or. It's, they're not compelling. They're either very confident or the producer's like, no, you write it. And they're just all, like all in the writer's room, like, no, oh, son of a bitch. Like, and well, then like daring each other to write it because it just doesn't. They're. So boring. And there's part of me, and I think we touched on this last week, that like, yeah, that's probably what 15-year-old boys would write. Like, it's boring as fuck. Yeah, but what we want from this entire storyline is for him to be exceptional. Yeah. And that's the only way it's really going to work. So for us not to feel like he is exceptional takes away from the character's power in a way that makes, I don't like, because that's an aspect of Archie that I inherently love is that he's this music geek who loves writing songs. That mm -hmm. only makes him more compelling. It does not make him less compelling to be a really awesome songwriter, you know? Yeah. And it makes the entire argument that all these people are trying to support him career-wise sort of weirdly flimsy as well. Yeah. yeah. He gets, I mean, it's clear that Betty still loves him. I wrote, but he a fuckboy. He a fuckboy. We talked about fuckboys last week. But then the song ends and he gets like, tepid applause he does but like everybody also is like that was actually good like kevin yeah. was like that was good i don't even have to pretend that was good and it's like, it's like well, well i, I have do. to pretend it was good exactly <laughs> i have to pretend casey caught the actor sure as fuck has to pre pretend i bet kj abba has to pretend he totally and he does. had to go into a recording studio and record that yeah, and record the song he constantly on his instagram does post videos of him playing guitar but i almost do all my instagram browsing at work so i never hear it i just see him playing guitar oh man well I we'll guess report he's back good. we'll report back as to kj abba's guitar skills right maybe one day because the instagram stories disappear but maybe one time i'll put the sound on yeah yeah and we'll catch him playing maybe one day interesting yeah but today's not that day yeah Betty isn't okay because they ask if she's okay. Someone asks if she's okay. And she says that's what the nice girl would be, but she's not. Oh, uh, Archie asks her. Yeah. Because then she says that's what this the is nice when, girl would be this okay. Is when she runs away. And she says that 
he Archie makes her feel safe, but because he's not attracted to her, he's now unsafe to her. Yes. Which is the opposite of how the world works, and she should be looking out. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> However, once again, to the defense of the character and the way she's written, which I think is really smartly... When you are assuming that something is going to go a certain way with someone romantically, yeah, which I think she always thought, and I think this makes her powerful, that she was going to end up with him. And then here she is, and they're growing up, and it's becoming more and more clear that that's not the case anymore. Yeah, it's like she feels like she doesn't know him anymore, and that's what makes her feel unsafe. Exactly, that and that's, that's so integral to her growth as a character that we see as the season progresses, which I which I really love, uh, and once again makes Betty a little more interesting than, yeah. than normal comic book Betty. Principal Weathery comes, and I wrote that he is like Gus Spring from Breaking Bad. Sure, and I guess Better Call Saul, but I do not watch it. <laughs> I tried, and it was not for me. But yeah, Principal Weatherby's a real creep. Yeah, not loving this. I I like that they once again cast Principal Weatherby as an African-American character, just because yeah. I like the diversity in the show. But I Weatherby in the comics, in some comics, certainly the older ones, is written as a real fuss bucket and as sort of stern and strict and ungiving, mm -hmm. which is similar to the way they're writing him here. Yeah. However, in modern comics, he's way more chill. You know, we've seen flashbacks of him with hair being like a 70s dude, which is really charming. And I love Charming Weatherby. He's into bird watching. He's like a good he dude trying to do his best. like... <laughs> Holt from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. That's fair. Yeah, totally. Like, like when they flash back, he was like, has like an afro, but is still like very straight face. Yeah, like I would love though for season two to see some more Weatherby-centric scenes that make him more sympathetic. I don't necessarily feel like it behooves the show to have this character be so one-dimensional. Right. Well, I, in and out throughout the season, including in this episode, find him suspicious. Yeah, which is maybe the whole point, is they're yeah. writing him to make you think that maybe he definitely he's a murderer. A yeah. yeah, he's a suspect, and maybe he could be. Well, he calls Archie on not making eye contact. And it's like, well, is it about Jason? And it's like, well, also, like, I mean, I had a dope principal. Sure. <laughs> but I can imagine that most kids around principals are like, oh. Like, yeah. most people didn't have principles as cool as mine yeah his name was dr sheboy and he was so cool no one made fun of that oh i love it that's think awesome. of how cool he had to be to get above yeah. the dr. name sheboy she yeah that's really cool oh man he's so cool you guys should follow him on twitter but he is superintendent of uh the highland school district now i love it instead of principal uh cornell high school big bummer miss him but love him to death so i noticed immediately after this and I think I maybe talked about it in the other episode, the shaky cam work, like, that goes away through the season. Yes. Which yes. I'm grateful for because I'm generally not a fan, and it, doesn't, it didn't seem to be used as a tool. I would argue, remember that these first three episodes were directed by the same guy. Right. And then he doesn't direct the rest of the episodes. Right. And I think that this is an example of the show trying to find its aesthetic, and yeah. I would argue that the aesthetic gets more cinematic as the show continues yeah. until the final few episodes, which I think are really gorgeously shot and it really contributes to the entire atmospheric nature of the show, which we will get to in the later episodes. Right, but yeah. so I don't know why it started with them. Because I, I think it, right, it adds something to kind of devolve into that. I think but, that, 
I think that a lot of the choices we see in these first few episodes is them trying to figure out what works and what doesn't. Mm -hmm. And that the later half of the season, things really get more standardized, as is any show trying to find its voice. Because that has to do with characters as well. Characters like Alice Cooper, who we're still not huge fans of right now, right, but she gets point, yeah. she gets better written, I feel, as the show goes on. Mm-hmm. Even characters like Cheryl, who really gain some depth as the series yeah, goes on. For sure. Anyway, I have my yeah. Cheryl Blossom nails still. Thanks, Joel Manicure. You'll last three weeks. <laughs> uh, but now at this point, Archie does go to Grundy mm-hmm. and wants to know how... One of them wants to know how the other one feels, and the response is that it's real. And then mm-hmm. Grundy adjusts her glasses. Mm-hmm. And I wrote that this ash- actress knows she is making out with an 18-year-old. She certainly does, yeah. And, and I mean, part of her is loving it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> they're acting, they're professional actors, and they do it for the role, but also, like, you still gotta go home that night and go, oh no. <laughs> this is what I have chosen, this is my life. And they are spotted mm-hmm. by ex XOXO Jughead yes. slash Gossip Girl, because all the Gossip Girls start with Spotted. <laughs> and then we cut to cheerleading practice, where it's, I wrote, insane cheerleading. I've never seen them, like, cheer, but they're just, like, bouncing butts. I know. I love it, but I also know. it's so insane. I could not agree more. Oh my god, Absolutely. it's like, because there's, like, these levels of cheerleading where it's, like, a pep squad that's really cheering, and then there's, like dance teams that are doing like flips and stuff and this is just like in the middle of just bouncing butts yeah absolutely oh my god like you're oh wow yeah cheryl talks in the third person the whole time yeah cheryl talks in the third person this is the scene where betty throws veronica a whole bunch of shade yep and shows their developing relationship and betty's you know jealous of veronica for archie's attraction to her yeah it's 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 really the only time actually in the entire series and it's dressed very well where we get into any sort of love triangle anything right well veronica immediately tells her that she went in the closet because if she didn't cheryl would yeah absolutely and she's trying to save archie from right from cheryl's clutches yeah Yeah. betty i believe it might have been cheryl says veronica's pretending to be a butterfly when she's really a wasp Mm -hmm. love that Mm -hmm. love these metaphors definitely that's some good writing there yeah and it's like it's not veronica's fault and then i wrote riverdale bulldogs because that's their team and what an interesting mascot and i don't know why but it's also feel like it looks like they're just repurposing the friday night lights still in panther jerseys (laughs) that's fine they're two shows that i love to death maybe they bought them in bulk from yeah from friday lights i mean listen they definitely made because i have a tim riggins jersey in my apartment (laughs) they made a lot of them (laughs) and then like the show like there were still the dylan panthers but they moved to the east dylan lines which is like a totally different jersey number so i guess they did have all those spare dylan lines jerseys (laughs) i mean what are we gonna do though well, first the Pussycats agree to hang around to help the cheer squad with yes. their butt bouncing. Yes. And then earlier with the flowers, Veronica had gotten Betty and Manny Petty, and Betty invites Cheryl to do it instead yeah. of Veronica, which even if you are in a fight is so rude. It's really mean. What it's, awful manners. Who raised her? I know. Maybe a crazy mother A crazy woman. lunatic who's really obsessed with small town journalism exactly. and bribes, bribes corners? Who? Yeah, but it's certainly not Betty's finest moment in the series. I can't imagine. 
question. I, know. I still like handwrite thank you letters. I know that's it's very hurt. It would be very hurtful. Not just hurtful, but like rude and distasteful. Yeah, like I feel like it would take a little more for their friendship to recover. What would Emily Post say? Yeah, absolutely. For um, Veronica, oh. Anyway. Oh, uh, Hermione, we cut to Pops where Hermione Lodge is working, which I just don't, they have this, like, penthouse apartment, but, like, she's busting tables? Like, I don't understand their money situation. Yeah, it's sort of one of those jobs where it's like, even if you need to pull in some cashola, how is working that sort of job even going to help with your money situation if you're living in a townhouse like that? Yeah. It just doesn't really make a lot of sense. Um, and once again, skews the weird sort of upper class, lower class world that this right. whole series is 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 set in. Yeah. And we also see at this point, Archie comes in to pick up food for him and his dad, and he's wearing a varsity jacket, which are, they're very heavy in their wool, but he was sweaty and running shirtless the night before. I know. What season is it? Hey, maybe Riverdale's going through the same sort of climate change issues that the real world is. Oh my god, I would have thought they were in the type of bubble Mr. Burns put over Springfield. Yeah, exactly. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? And this is when I said I was going to bring back the growing boys thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, for both Fred and Archie, he gets a small to-go bag for dinner. Yes, totally. Absolutely. <laughs> is that it? Like, there's no way he eats that little food. No, Archie eats three fries for dinner, and that's why he's so skinny. <laughs> Archie's buff as hell. He gets protein, baby. Yeah. Like, what is... Yeah, what's he doing? Macaroot? That's that whole scene in the first episode with Reggie that's so funny. Yeah. It's like, what are you doing, bro? <laughs> I don't under like Maca? for him and Fred. It's like a hamburger and no fries and nothing else. Like I don't understand it. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. I noticed that Veronica does not carry school books. No, probably all her school books are on her iPhone. <laughs> I mean, maybe, but She's textbooks Veronica. are not textbooks are not digitizing at the rate they should be. Yeah, that's fair, especially at the high school level. And then this is when we discussed briefly Betty teaching Archie Archie how to read, and you had a point about this. Oh, just so I really love this scene. I think that it is so uh, indicative of their relationship, and also something that Betty says in it is Archie proposes to her after she helps Archie pass the second grade. And she says to him, oh, little Archie, we're too young. Which I think is, A, a really touching, nice sort of way to tell that story. And I think it's very well written. And also, little Archie is an entire line of comics with the characters as younger versions of themselves. Isn't that also where the serpent's from? I will talk about the next scene while you're looking that up. Well, first, I do want to say that that scene ends with Veronica telling Archie that his story with Betty isn't over, which is important. But we're cutting to this next scene that opens with Cheryl straddling Betty. Yes. And putting cover girl makeup on her. I think, I'm not sure if it was this episode or the next one where Cole, while the episode was airing, just tweeted, cover girl, cover girl, cover girl. Oh, he did? That's so funny. Telling you, Cole's Twitter is fantastic. So Cheryl tells Betty that she's sorry for being mean to her because in a way, they both lost siblings in that Jason died and Polly was, went crazy. Yeah. Which is insane to say, but also, like, it feels like, I mean, Betty would never say it, but it seems like the person without a dead sibling would be the one to say that. The Southside Serpents were from Little Archie. Yeah! Which is awesome. Such a 
like if I knew better. I know. That's excellent. <laughs> Very cool. I'll have to look those up. I'll have to read those I think ones. it's like, I feel like I saw in like a BuzzFeed article that was like, why are they doing this? When like the Seth Lake Difference aren't a real gang. They're just like other kids, like the whatever. <laughs> People care too much. Right. But then after saying that, Cheryl immediately turns and thinks that Polly killed Jason mm-hmm. and accuses Betty of being, she says, you dumb cow. It was your crazy, tweaked-out sister. Mm-hmm. Which brings more questions about what happened to Polly. Yes, which we learn in later episodes, but we will not spoil here what happened to Polly, which is good. It, it adds to the mystery. And also, I get it. You know, I get Cheryl's turn in this scene. I think that this is one of the more honest Cheryl moments of the earlier episodes in that she all at once probably would be looking for a friend who's going through something similar to her in Betty, but also is conflicted because she has these suspicions about Betty's sister. Yeah. And I think that's complicated. I think it's a complex series of emotional hoops to jump through as a teenage girl. Yeah. So I I would understand that happening with Cheryl. And then... So her turn, I think, performance-wise, is, is really masterful in the mm-hmm. scene. And then I think Betty's turn as well right. is Betty really says, cool. I wrote down, Cheryl, get the hell out of my house before I kill you. Yes, absolutely. You hear, uh, I think your sister killed my brother, and her response is, I'll kill you. Yeah, absolutely. Which is very un-Betty-like, but also is very Betty-like. Yes. Which I love. Yeah, absolutely. And then we cut to Jughead confronting Archie. Mm-hmm. Jughead saw Archie and Miss... Miss Grundy. And this is really the first scene where the two of them get to explore their friendship with each Mm -hmm. other. And I think that their dynamic is so good. And I think it's what was missing from the Archie character up until this point. I think that maybe Archie is only as good as his Juggy. And I feel like the two of them in the scene really popping off each other. And it Mm -hmm. is really, really helpful for the Archie character. This is yeah. this is the moment where I think the Archie character grows some legs that he's been lacking in the first episode and a half of this series. A lot comes down in this, too. Archie, so Jughead's mad that Archie ditched the 4th of July, and Archie says it's because I like her. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's why he's been acting weird, is because he's in love with this woman. Mm-hmm. And Archie tells Jughead that he heard a gunshot. Mm-hmm. With Grundy on the 4th of July. And Jughead, I'm not sure if he said it or if I just... I think I really just noticed it, that he seems to be, in the long run, the only one concerned that, like, a child is dead. Mm-hmm. Like, everyone's backstabbing and accusing, but, like, no one's focused on the point that, like, a 15-year-old was murdered. murdered. Yeah. And that's very, both scary and sad. Yes. He's the only one that's, like, it's it's always sadder when you lose a child over an adult. And, and it's an inherently problematic story engine for the whole first season to be about because a show like this you don't want it to be too much of a downer right and i do think they fix that in a lot of ways by having jughead be the voice of reason Mm -hmm. and very much like jughead is in the comics it feels like jughead has an awareness of the reality that the rest of the characters do not and that's that's what makes jughead one of my favorite literary characters of the 20th century, and I think one of the best, is that he's always thinking on a slightly different level of reality than the rest right. of the characters. Because yeah. it should be something that we get from Veronica, because Veronica wasn't there. She came into a town where a child was just murdered. Absolutely. But what she kind a situation. of immediately falls into it. Yes. 
And I think some of that is, though, because she didn't know Jason, so why does she care? Yeah. But yeah, the rest of them would be a little more screwed up from this, instead of yeah. figuring out who's going to take who to prom or whatever. Yeah, Right. And at this point, so we've only seen Archie and Jughead as a fallen out best friendship, but mm-hmm. Fred comes out to greet them. Mm-hmm. As to be like, happy to see Jughead, come on in. Mm-hmm. And Archie's like, he was just leaving. And here's another point on that small dinner order. Fred knows all they have is that one single hamburger in a tiny bag. Why would you invite a third person into dinner? Not only why would you invite a third person, why would you invite a third person that notoriously is known for eating so many burgers right. that he eats people out of house and home when it Which, comes to burgers? in this universe, never manifests. Finally, it does near the end of the season. Well, but it's a big, yeah, it's a big, it's a big, it's a big Jughead tease for the Yeah, whole and then... When it was getting moved to Netflix, mm-hmm. Cole filmed himself just, like, eating a hamburger. Yeah, which for me was really satisfying. It was delightful in that jacket that Cole Sprouse owns with the fringe that I love. Yeah, totally. Don't know why he owns it. Don't care why he owns it. Loves that jacket. At this point, ooh, this is a hot scene. Alice comes in to Betty, wondering why Cheryl was there, and she comes in with Sage to banish I know. The Blossom Spirit. Once again, something that I feel like later written Alice would not do. Right. Which is sort of a stupid... Yeah, yeah but stupid. she thinks that she accuses the Blossoms and thinks that they sacrificed Jason to the pagan god they worship, so it seems like maybe Alice worships a pagan god too if he's going in there with Sage. I know. Yeah. What? <laughs> but Alice says that she was against Polly and Jason dating since day one, so there's clearly a feud between the Blossoms mm-hmm. and... There's something that they don't like about each Coopers, other. The Coopers, but we... We don't know what it is yet. We don't know what. We just know everything. They touch rots. And then mm-hmm. Betty wants to visit Polly, but she's not allowed. Mm-hmm. She's not allowed. She doesn't have an answer for why Cheryl was there in the first place. Mm-hmm. But Alice hates everyone, so there you go. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, and, and then, then Betty yeah. just goes to Veronica and says she was right about Archie. Mm-hmm. And she just tells all of her hopes and fears and dreams to a near stranger. She and Veronica, like, don't know each other. Yeah, but they were destined to be best friends, and they talk yeah. about that in the in the episode. Yeah, I'm a very open person, too. Yeah. You know, but and, and, Betty is not a very open person. Uh, I think in certain ways she is, and in certain ways she isn't. I think that this version of Betty would do that. I find that scene very believable. I'm cool with it. I'm also just cool with it because... We gotta get going on this friendship. You know, this is yeah. so integral to the whole dynamic that we need Betty and Veronica to be a, ta- a tag team. It's the only way the show's gonna work. Yeah. So it's like, great, let's just get this fight over with. It's time for some Betty and yeah. Veronica power moves. Right. Time. I yeah. don't wanna watch a show where two girls are fighting the whole time. No, no, I don't think that they wanted to write that either. No, you know? I don't think anyone wanted to act yeah. in it. No, no one wants it anymore. We're no. over it. It's 2017. Exactly. And towards the end of the scene, Veronica says that her mother always tells her that sometimes a friend is better than a boyfriend, and I just want to get it out there to all the teenage girls listening at home. It's always better than a boyfriend. That is true. I can confirm this. A it's friend, friend is always, is always, than always better than a boyfriend. Don't ladies, let anyone tell you otherwise. Ladies and young men that are listening to this, it is true. Ovaries before broveries. That's right. Uh, and then we cut to, oh, the big uh, Reggie confrontation. Mm-hmm. He wants to know why Moose was at the river with Kevin. Again, very straightforward. Everyone can deduce the fact. I think he just wants Moose to say it, but Moose is not ready. Mm-hmm. Poor little Moose. Poor little Moose. We love Moose so oh, much. Oh, my God. I would like to write a spinoff series where it's just Moose having a good time. Uh, I would love that. <laughs> that actor's great. I'd love He's to so see good. him do that. He's so good. I know. Yeah. I want more Moose. Yeah. Moose Dale. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> River Moose. River Moose. 
I love it. Oh, boy. Um, at this point, so Reggie just starts unleashing theories. Yes, and it's a shame that Reggie isn't in the rest of the season as much because I think that he is so well written in that he is impulsive, he's a hothead, and I think this is a dynamic that the other characters actually don't have, which is so good in this scene. I would love to have seen more of that as the season progresses. He goes through his first is that his first point is that a jock wouldn't kill Jason. Yeah. Which is the opposite of how I would feel during high school. Of course. Of course. As a jock. Totally. Uh, yeah. Also, just like anything, like, it's a violent, football's a violent sport. Like, mm-hmm. we've seen concussion syndrome. Like, boy, does it cause issues. Absolutely. He says it would be a moody internet troll, you know, like Jughead. And yes. then he says Jughead's little suicide squad. I know, which, which DC I love. Comics, DC Comics, over there in the CW. Well, there's a lot of DC references in the show. Yeah. Archie has Justice League uh, decorations in his locker mm-hmm. and also has giant blown up versions of the comics in his room as right. well. Which I kind of love that... Riverdale exists in a world where the Archie characters are reading DC comics. To me, that's like yeah. very meta and strange. Yeah, yeah. it's like how uh, Cougar Town and Community are in the same universe. Yes, absolutely. Which I could talk about for days. Yeah, it's great. I yeah. will talk about what a good show Cougar Town is until the day. <laughs> nice. This is the scene where Jughead says, it's called Necrophilia, Reggie, can you spell it? I know, which is a really pivotal Jughead moment. Sick burn? It's not that hard to spell. It's a sick burn. It's not that hard to spell. And also, I think this is when this version of Jughead solidified to me as being the version of Jughead that us fans have always been looking for but didn't know that we needed. And I think that's a big thing about this scene. This is everything that I want out of the character. I want Sarcastic shithead. Yeah, I want him to be calling out the other characters on their bullshit. I want him to be smarter than the other characters. I want him to be genuinely funny, which I think that that's a totally fun burn. Mm -hmm. And I want him to be hot AF. And I feel like we get all those from this Jughead, which is great. Another thing that comes out of the scene is, so we see a little bit how deep the Archie-Jughead friendship runs with Fred. But this is, Archie stands up for Jughead in this, and Reggie accuses them of killing Jason together. Yes! Which means that even though... Reggie thinks, I mean, not that Reggie's super logical. He says a jock couldn't do it. But Archie and Jughead are so inseparable that maybe a jock could do it if he is with the freak and the weirdo. And so they fight. Mm-hmm. They have a fight. It's dramatic. It's great. It feels like a high school fight to me, which is right. awesome. I never saw any because I had a really cool principal named Dr. Sheboy who wouldn't let that shit fly. Yeah, absolutely. No one wants to disappoint Dr. Sheboy. It's so, once again, it's sad that Reggie isn't in the rest of this season a lot. Yeah. Because it sets up this dynamic between Archie and Reggie that I think is really, really, really smart. Mm-hmm. So, and then after that, I think it's over to the weird-ass football game. We have one scene in between okay. where Fred asks Archie about the black eye, and he assumes Jughead did it. That's right. And then Archie reveals that, like, it wasn't Jughead, it was Reggie, but what if Jughead and I disagree about a girl? And, like, goes into this really specific hypothetical that no parent is expect. Like, when you think that your son's fighting over a girl, it's not the specific. No. And I wrote that it is such a specific hypothetical, and Fred never is like, this is suspicious. He's just like, oh, yeah, you and Jughead fighting over a girl? Yeah, I mean, me and FP too, you know? Uh, 
things happen. But Archie will do the right thing, even if it will cost him. Amen. 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 Sister. Absolutely. And here we are at the pep rally with so many weird things okay. that are uncalled for. So something that I want to ask about being a Canadian who's never been to a pep rally. Uh-huh. It's a pep rally, so maybe that means that there's no football game, and that's why there's no Nope, that is team. not what that means. Okay, so... never mind. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, well, for my school, generally a pep rally takes place during the school day leading up to the homecoming game. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, okay. And then yeah, yeah. you have the homecoming dance to celebrate the homecoming game. Yeah. It is all big, one big thing. Now, my high school had Dr. Sheboy, so the math team was in there. Mm-hmm. You're, uh, National Merit Scholarships mm-hmm. got a shout out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You better believe every single team was included and the football team was nothing special. Mm-hmm. But if anything, the math team and the National Merit Scholarships were far more celebrated. Loved it. But first things first, Kevin is just wandering the track aimlessly. Mm-hmm. Just looking around for no one. We just see him wandering and then that's that. Uh, Grundy is on the field at the refreshment table. Mm-hmm. What is she doing there? Minding it. I think she's minding the refreshment table. But she picks up a drink and walks away. I know. It's it totally doesn't make weird. any sense. It's totally weird. You're right. And th- this is the first point where I put, is there another team? Yeah. They're and there in is their not. jerseys. There's no team. Well, we don't know that yet. So no. far, they're just not on the field yet. Yeah. Okay. Jughead is, like, under the bleachers all dark. He wants Archie to tell. Archie apologized. They hug. They don't hug because they don't want to look like douches. Yeah, they just that, get the head nod. That whole scene's wonderful. Yeah. And once again, Archie, the character, is really popping in this scene, and it's so much due to Jughead. Yeah, So it's great. Yeah. But we've got some more pep rally nonsense. The mayor speaks at the pep rally. Sure, the mayor's there. The mayor is at the pep rally, and she speaks. And she says, the lack of heart and school spirit has never been the Riverdale thing, which, mm-hmm. the Riverdale way, which, sure, because I'm sure this comes up a lot. Depending on where you put the comma in that sentence, it means two different things. That so is either true. The lack of heart and school spirit has never been a Riverdale thing, or the lack of heart and school spirit has never been a Riverdale mm-hmm, thing. Mm-hmm. But that's not what she meant. They dedicate the pep rally to the recently deceased. I know. Again, sad that a football player died. When I was in high school, a football player died. But we didn't dedicate... I mean, also, there was suicide and not murder. But, again, weird. It's super weird. Yeah, weird. agreed. It's raining, but they still let a band with musical instruments play. Yes. Um, We're getting to something I'm going to talk about. Why obviously. don't you hit Sugar Sugar right now? So first of all, this is when Josie and the Pussycats does their version of Sugar Sugar that was created specifically for the show. A few things about this. Thing number one is, this is a killer cover of this song. The rap breaks in this, I think, work incredibly well for the structure of the song. Mm -hmm. I love this. This is one of the big conundrums of this show is, why isn't all the rest of the original music as good as this version of Sugar Sugar or why didn't they go the route of adapting more Archie's songs to be modern and use them in the show you know in this fashion the way they do with Sugar Sugar obviously Sugar Sugar is the only one to a modern audience that's going to be remotely recognizable but they do have this entire library of songs that they could use that are quite well written 60s songs they could have written rap breaks over or or converted into being modern songs so, however, that doesn't happen. But what we get is we get a really good modern version of the song very early on in the show's run. I thought they'd 
leave Sugar Sugar until later on, Mm -hmm. but they don't. It's great. I audibly gasped the first time they started playing it. I got very excited. And this is the song that, as I said before, was the number one song of 1969 that dethroned... The Rolling Stones. Which one? At the time, I think it was Satisfaction. But I can look that up. This song, this single, outsold the Rolling Stones and the Beatles that year. It was a huge, huge song. And uh, sixty-nine Beatles too. It's a real yup. It's a it's a real cultural touchstone. So when the cheerleaders are doing their bouncy butt thing. It's Veronica that comes down the middle strutting instead of Cheryl when Cheryl is the head cheerleader. She just gave that part up. We noticed that Mel is in the band playing the drums, but the Riverdale band, marching band is there. But then they're not. Like, the marching band is, like, at every football game, especially the homecoming game, not there. The stage appears to be on the field, which is... There are stages that tear apart quite easily. My guess is that Riverdale High School does not have one of those stages. Uh, Again, we still don't see the other team. There's still no second football team. Yeah, it's super weird. Yeah, Cheryl, this is where it culminates. Cheryl, oh no, there's still quite a few steps to there being no other team. Cheryl sees Archie and thinks that he pictures him as Jason. Yes. Which is a very basic, I mean, they both have red hair, but that seems like a child's mistake. (laughs) But, you know what, she's in grief. And she runs across the football field where there is no, the field is completely unmarked. There are no line markers. There's no paint on this field. There can't possibly be a football game. But Veronica (laughs) follows Cheryl to the locker room. That's right. And this is a pivotal scene. So Veronica follows Cheryl to the locker room. And Veronica admits that she doesn't understand. And Cheryl says, no, you don't understand he was supposed to come back. Mm-hmm. I love the vagueness of this. Yes. Because it makes you think zombie, yes. right? Which is great. Okay, yes. So, Sugar Sugar, to my understanding, uh, Sugar Sugar dethroned um, Sympathy for the Devil. Oh, that was my guess! Oh, yeah. man, I'm... But that's pretty. It with music today. That's pretty cool, right? That's a pretty amazing. Sympathy for the Devil might be my favorite Rolling Stones. It's a really good Rolling Stones song, and that's a pretty huge feat for Sugar Sugar to dethrone. And also, 1969. Just to get into this really briefly, was a very politically tumultuous year. Yeah. And for was that, that to Bobby be Bobby Kennedy. Uh, yes. Okay. And so for that to be the year that Sugar Sugar, I think it's very indicative. That was Sugar Sugar was the number one single of '69, the number one selling single. I think people were really looking for relief. Where were the Beatles at that point musically? They were kind of transitioning into the... The Beatles were, at the time, that was Magical Mystery Tour, uh, Let It Be period. Yeah. Okay, so it was one of the transitions musically, but not the real heavy into, like, Revolver stuff. No, Revolver was earlier. Revolver's from 1966. Oh, man, I am way off in the Beatles. Don't yeah, yeah, Revolver's from 66, and then Sgt. Pepper's from 67, because it just celebrated its 50th anniversary a few oh. weeks ago. Yeah, but that was them sort of fragmenting, but becoming yeah. pretty deeply psychedelic. Yeah, yeah. That was where the Beatles were at. So, But Beatles very, very experimental at the time. Yeah. Stone's very hard-rocking. Archie's the lightest music of all time. Yeah. Number one selling single. And huge yeah. political upheaval that year. Mm-hmm. All right. Betty comes to the locker room, and then I want to point out that at this point, it's still raining. No mud on the football players. Of they course They did not. not play a football game at their homecoming no, game. they didn't. They, like, ran out there for no reason. They got all 
geared up. Yeah. They did their, like, locker room chants. They warmed up. They stretched. They got out on that field that I... It had a goalpost. It was meant for football at some point, but not that night. What a waste of time and energy for a thing they could have done during school day inside. Just insane. I don't know. And then Betty invites Veronica to go get a milkshake. Mm Mm-hmm. And they are given their milkshakes by a old-timey waiter that, who we've never seen before and never see again. That waiter is one of the Archie Comics guys in a cameo. Okay. That is John Goldwater Jr., I believe, who's the editor-in-chief. And okay, he's that cameoing. makes sense for mm-hmm. the one moment of old-timey waiter. Absolutely, yes. Uh, Betty gets vanilla. Veronica gets chocolate. I think that says a lot about their personalities. Agreed, 100%. Based on what I am told. Veronica meets Juggy for the first time. Yes. Something oh, I, I want to... Agree, Wolf, before Archie and Jug had come in, they, Betty and Veronica agree that no matter what, no boy will ever come between them. Amen. Such is the origin of Betty and Veronica. Yes, and I hope they stick to it. Absolutely. Yeah, and then, and then Jughead and Archie come in and they join them. Yes, Jughead is crazy-eyed and only agrees to join them if they're paying. I know, which is a very Jughead of him. We learn that he's Jughead Jones the third. Yes, he's Jughead Jones the third. And he, something that I, I really love about this scene is that it establishes Jughead and Veronica on a really even-keeled relationship. Mm-hmm. Very often in the comics, Jughead and Veronica are portrayed as rivals for different reasons, very often for Archie's attention. Uh-huh. And I really like them as partners in crime more than I like them as rivals. Oh, I yeah. Think there's more of an interesting dynamic there. And Jughead, in his voiceover, says that there were only three people in the booth that mm-hmm. night. A blonde girl, a raven-haired girl, and the luckiest redhead boy in the universe. Mm-hmm. Where is Jughead? I guess... Uh, that I think Jughead sees himself as an outsider sometimes more than he needs to. And yeah. I think this is one of those moments. Jughead's weird. He doesn't fit in. He doesn't he's fit weird. In. He doesn't I'm fit. weird. I'm we're going to get weirdo. into that, but he's weird. He's, he's a, a weirdo. weirdo. He's a real outsider. Doesn't fit in. So that's our episode, folks. Uh, we have a couple. No, 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 no. We have the stinger. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. We I totally forgot about the stinger. Oh, my God. So Jughead I announces. I always jump ahead I know much. you Jeez. always go because I have three more highlight, highlighted lines. Mm-hmm. Jughead says that the night gave way to a morning of reckoning. Mm-hmm. And we see Archie go to the principal and the sheriff. And before he opens that door... They come tearing out through to the generic science classroom where they make eye contact with Jughead. Mm-hmm. But Cheryl stands up and says, arrest me. Mm-hmm. They, she said that they'll find out why she's guilty soon enough. And then it is revealed that Jason did not die from that gunshot on July 4th, but over a week later. I know. Dun, dun, dun. Great stinger to end the episode on. Yes. Overall, I'd say a fairly successful episode, which is why the show was such a hit, is that it really hit the ground running, Mm -hmm. despite the fact that it was still really dealing with finding its voice. Yes. Yes, which we went into in our recap. Yeah. Now that we're done with that, I think we need to get into the power ranking. Power ranking! Starting from the bottom, now we're here? Starting from the bottom, now we're here. All right, lowest in the episode is Principal Weatherby. 
Yeah. He still ranks because of that tense scene he has with yeah, Arch. He, but, but he's still a creep with no real driving. Yeah, just kind no, of there. No he's just there lurching in the shadows. He is. He is. Step above him, Grundy. Still Absolutely. the villain. Still my number one suspect. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Uh, step above that is Alice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Always aggressive. Reggie, who gets in an unnecessary fight. Yeah, Reggie gets in an unnecessary fight, but is compelling, which is why he's... Above Alice. Yep. Kevin, who I believe drops this week from the week. Yes, drops quite a few. Mm-hmm. I think for both of us for telling Moose to stay in the closet. I know, we hate that. Veronica dropped a lot, but I think it's just because other people are making moves. That's true. Yes, Veronica is less focused on in the episode. Uh, step above Veronica, we have Archie. Yes, absolutely. Who is bumps is bumped Bump, up, up this a little, episode. Yeah. Yep. Cheryl. Mm-hmm. Jughead. Yes. And who's, our, who bumps way up. Well, yeah, well, because he's in this episode. Exactly, which is great, which is exciting. Welcome, Jughead, my uh, favorite boy. On top, we got Betty. Yeah. Betty is our big mover and shaker this episode. We see a lot of character development with Betty. Yeah, and and so exciting and welcome. And yeah. it's such a great... The, the stuff they're doing with Betty, I think, is going to resonate with the character for years to come. Yes, but our true number one, as always... Vegas. That's right. Vegas is the biggest influencer. I can't he... think of a single thing he could do to get knocked off that top position. No, we love that dog. Absolutely. Uh, crush rankings. I think we both agree. Number one, Jughead. Yeah, number one, Jughead for both of us. Probably your... will remain. For the whole rest of the season? Perhaps the show, unless we get Moose back. That's true. Although, yeah, I mean, Jughead varies for me here and there. But yeah, yeah, that's fair. Who's number two for you? My number two is Betty. Yep, Betty's wonderful in this episode. And my number and... three is that hardy, hottie Archie. Oh, you love Archie? Well, I mean, shirtless running Archie. Can't go wrong with shirtless running KJ Appa. For me, I'm going to give number two to Josie for okay. her killer cover of Sugar Sugar. Yeah. Because Sugar Sugar is so near and dear to my heart, and to see it perform that way it makes me want to take Josie to prom. Mm-hmm. And last but not least in this episode is Veronica. Who, Ooh, still into Veronica. Well, she goes through a lot of shit in this episode, but yeah. she comes out on top, and I really like that about her in this episode. Yeah, she's always pretty fierce. I think she's pretty beautiful and amazing. Yeah. So this next thing we're going to hit on uh, is my admitting how much fan fiction I read. Okay, let's and get into it. I go through different universes, mm-hmm. and I have transitioned to reading Riverdale fan fiction. Great, so this is Kate's my, Riverdale fanfic recap. My recap, I'm just going to do one at a time, because mm-hmm. usually fan fictions there aren't a lot of multi-chapter stories in the Archie in the Riverdale universe right now oh that's interesting they're like single chapter yeah they're just like one shots and just for the listeners to know my perspective on this Kate's gonna be teaching me a lot here so I may be reacting in real time oh good 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 so I mean the past like I started with Harry Potter fan fiction and I read Mm -hmm. a little bit of Twilight fan fiction until I read this one that was real weird and real fucked up and then it turned into Fifty Shades of Grey what do you know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um what did I oh I read Glee for a while and I didn't want to but I just didn't have anything I wanted to read totally I read Shameless I still read a little bit of Shameless Mm mm-hmm and now I'm reading Riverdale. Okay, so tell us, tell us, what's the so, world of Riverdale fanfic like? A lot less Archie Jughead than you would think. Mm-hmm. Still a good amount less than you would think. It's a lot of mostly Bughead. Yes, because Bughead's 
Everybody loves Bughead. I love Bughead. I love reading Bughead. Absolutely. Um, Do you? So, are there any Bughead stories that you really, really love? Not off the top of my head. They all kind of blend in. Okay. Uh, the one story that I want to talk about this week is not a multi-chapter, but it's one author whose name is Smiles R. Awesome. Just mm-hmm. the letter R. Okay, great. She writes Autistic Archie. Yes, let's talk about this. So, I did not think it was going to be good. Yeah, sure. But sometimes you gotta click on a fan fiction just to see the shit show that sure. falls apart from it. Like Fifty Shades of Grey. And it's well written. I Wonderful. think she knows, is very close to someone with autism. Mm-hmm. Perhaps she works with people with autism. Mm-hmm. And it plays in a really humanizing way. It doesn't feel like she doesn't write Archie as dumb. Great. I love it. She writes him as someone who's very just upbeat, which is not to say that people with autism don't have real downers sometimes. Certainly, of course. But very positive and well-liked. And he, a lot of it is reacting to senses. Mm -hmm. Like, you see him get overwhelmed while also just being very aware. Mm -hmm. He's still Jughead's best friend. He's still very close with Betty. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, no one is particularly patronizing, which I really like. That's awesome. It's people who have been friends with Archie for their whole lives, mm-hmm. so he's just who he is to them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Fred's very supportive. I believe, at least in one of them, Archie is in love with Jughead. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't. We, it's not a long story, but there's no Jughead taking advantage. There's no Jughead letting him down. It's mm-hmm. clear that they have maybe a romantic la- relationship, but mm-hmm. one that's not aggressive and like uncomfortable. I think that's very interesting. I I don't think that there are any characters in the comics or on Riverdale so far that are autistic and it'd be really great to see a character that has autism on I, the show. Yeah, I think it's also tough without to make it not patronizing while also not making it a big thing. Yeah, I believe that they could do it, though. Yeah. yeah I think, I really yeah, if that. there's just, like, another person who, like, because we don't see, there's characters, like, we don't see Reggie a lot. We don't see Ethel a lot. No. But they're there. Exactly. Um, yeah. Chuck Clayton, like, there are other characters in this world. Right. And there are some Archie characters that we haven't seen in Riverdale yet as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So that's uh, my fanfiction roundup. There's one fanfiction that has not been updated in a while that I really love, and I don't remember the name of or how to even look for it, but I really want it to be updated. What's it about? It's like, uh, it's almost like the West Wing, Uh but it's like Fred is president and FP is vice president or (laughs) secretary of state, Josie's secretary of state. Oh, man. And, like, Archie's, like, a, a like just out of college, but Jughead's, like, 35. Uh-huh. And, like, they love each other, but, like, it's, like, I mean, talk about being, like, a political environment. Yeah. And, like, Jughead, like, didn't finish high school, but he's, like, a White House staffer. Oh, man. And, like, Veronica's, like, a new White House attorney. That sounds and, awesome. And Betty's press secretary. Oh, that's great. I'm so obsessed with it. And, like, it hasn't been updated in, like, three months. But, like, I love it so much. Well, if any of our listeners end up finding it, please Tell send us the you, link. Uh, yeah. And if you wrote it, write more. Yeah, that's, I want it. that's a very interesting dynamic for Oh, my God, characters. I'm in love with it. 
So next week, next week, we are going to delve into episode three, Body Double. Body Double. Which is exciting. It's the first appearance of Ethel Muggs. Yes. Who's an awesome character Who is played by show. Barb from Stranger mm-hmm. Things. If you're wondering what happened to Barb, who's she's in real, Riverdale. Whose real name is Barb. Uh, no, I'm joking. But what's really cool <laughs> what? is that, yeah, but what's really cool about it is that you can imagine that Barb from Stranger Things didn't die. She just yeah, got she just... sucked into the Riverdale universe. Yeah, Riverdale's the upside down. That's right. Riverdale is the upside down in a lot of ways. So yeah, where can we find you, Kate? What, can, what are you doing me, right now? Uh, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, at my website, everything. Kate Vatter, one word, V is a Velociraptor, A-T-T-E-R. <laughs> I love it. And you can find me on Twitter at Louis four seven one one. You can check out my other podcast, Kick the Jukebox, which is my music podcast. I love doing with my buddy Kyle. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at Kick the Jukebox. You can find us on Twitter at KTJB Podcast. <laughs> but we'll definitely see you back here next week for, for episode, episode three, three, Body Double. Yeah, and uh, we don't have a great ending for this podcast, but I always like the ending of you talking you two to me, and we hope that you find what you're looking for! <laughs> hey <Hey-o. laughs>